GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is my buddy. That's you. We're, we're friends. We're friends. Huh? We're buddies. Listen, <laughs> just because I threaten your life all the time. <laughs> yeah, I feel all like I'm the time. chained to this desk currently. <laughs> it doesn't just feel like it. You really are. Look at your leg, Sean. You see that jingling? That's a chain. So I'm the arcade fan of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and with us are uh, two very special guests. They've been here before. We have The Glitch. Hey, everybody. And Danielle. Hey. Now, uh, thank you, by the way, for making me and Danielle wait outside for the last hour while you recorded an episode. How dare you guys? I'm worth the wait, all right? <laughs> he was chaining me to this. <laughs> it took a long time to chain Sean to the chair. Listen, it's it's not easy to weld the, the, the chains like that. It's just not, all right? You're going to have to get off my back. <laughs> so today, we're talking about, uh, this is your favorite episode, Glitch, right? Oh, uh, this is one of them. One of them. Yes. This is Bart gets hit by a car. Uh, Sean, when did this episode first air? January 10th, 1991. Yeah, so in this episode, Bart, not surprisingly, is hit by a car driven by Mr. Burns. When Homer meets a shifty lawyer named Lionel Hutz, they scheme to sue Mr. Burns. Uh, Glitch, tell me. Uh, what was going on in uh, 1991, uh, early 1991 there? So the number one hit at the time was Madonna's Justify My Love. Really? Ooh. Yep. So, yeah. And that music video, I mean, I feel like that turned a lot of heads on MTV. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that maybe, you know, explains where TV was going at the time. Yeah. But, I mean, th- that music video was very raunchy. Was this before her raunchy performance on the VMAs, or was it after? I feel like that would be after. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the the sort of the enta- entertainment industry was shifting that time from less wholesome, or I'm sorry, from more wholesome uh, to a little bit of a less wholesome direction. You know, yeah. Uh, and I mean, we're doing a podcast on one of the shows that supposedly was one of the uh, spearheads of that <laughs> movement. Uh, now, Sean, what do you have here uh, for us? So, on January 4th, I'm going to butcher this last name, and I apologize to him. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if I apologize to him, because uh, <laughs> Richard Maybaum, uh-huh. Maybaum, whatever it may be, yeah. passed away on January 4th. He was the screenwriter for 13 James Bond films, what, from really? Dr. No all the way to License to Kill. Wow! So, if so you, you did a like bunch classic of them. Bond, you like Richard Maybaum's scripts. Yeah, no, He passed sad. away January 4th. So, Craig, uh, make us happy after that. Give us some happy news. <laughs> uh, so, guys, a government ruling to allow schools in South Africa to determine their admission policies was passed the previous September. And so some schools were uh, having black children integrated into white schools on South Africa. Apartheid was still going on at this time. Uh, now, I. Uh, the 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 schools the of the roughly two thousand white schools, um, two hundred and five were being integrated. Most schools decided through a vote, you know, with mostly white communities, and so a lot of them did not have that go through. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, you know integration at that time. 
But it was good that things were swinging in that direction. And I have some kind of wonderful things here to uh, let you guys know. Uh, now, some of the kids were interviewed who, who were going to school that were being integrated. Ari Mikopopoulos, who was 12 at the time, said, it's the same as always. It's no big deal. Two girls, a white and black girl who had become friends, were quoted as well. Uh, well, Carabo Mapella, who was 12, said that uh, she had to travel like 12 miles to school. She was happy to be there. And Linda Temlet, who was 11, was quoted as saying, I don't know why it took so long. Isn't that at least kind of nice, even if it was very slowly, slowly right. you know, moving in a better direction? At least a lot of the children who were there were like fine like they didn't care to be racist like you know their parents were you know who uh although technically i suppose the children in these communities who were integrated the voting did swing to integrate the school so you know maybe it was less racism in those areas where those schools were maybe there was you know more uh more black families in those areas who knows uh but yeah that's sort of where things were going i mean apartheid had not ended in south africa yet uh but uh but i tell you what let's go ahead and delve right on into this episode i feel like there's going to be a whole lot to talk about i uh, we have uh, a great shot right off the bat uh, we have a shot of Springfield, and you know a lot of the shots of Springfield are kind of, up to this point, sort of a little bit more focused on smaller areas. But this is a big shot of Springfield. We have the cloth store. Uh, we have <laughs> hardware. Uh, Bart starts riding around. Uh, uh, you see, like a, I think it's like a clock tower, you know, in the the shot. Like it's a really cool, you know, sort of uh, view of Springfield as Bart sort of, uh, uh, you know, riding through wet cement. Uh, he swings by Mort's Deli. I don't know if that ever comes up again, but I know they go to a few delis throughout the Simpsons. I think it's Izzy's, right? They do go to Izzy's Deli at one point. I just want to point out, mm -hmm. Bart is a super talented skateboarder. They don't give him enough credit for that. He rides through wet cement and over an open manhole cover without flinching. It's like uh, uh, in Mario where you keep running and there's like a block missing and you just keep running over it because the momentum just keeps you going. Yeah. Bart's good. Uh, they, uh, uh, Bart also rides past a few other places that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, uh, there is a sign that says sushi. Yes. Uh, there's another sign in a, a different language uh, and it's near a yin yang symbol, uh, which I, I don't know if they're as popular to like draw as they were back when I was like in middle school or whatever, but the yin yang symbol is, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the white and black circle that are split in the middle with a white circle or white dot in the black area and the black dot in the white area uh and it's sort of a concept of dualism uh in ancient chinese philosophy uh describing the opposite forces that can be complementary uh and it's uh, uh another example of taoism in this uh season uh we've previously seen an episode they uh 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 lisa forced bart to take out the uh tongtai uh tongtai ching is that what it is the book of taoism I believe so. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of have a weird moment, right? The episode title gets flashed to us. And that hardly ever happens. And it, do you think, do you guys think that it was used for comedic timing? Is that, is that sort of what you guys feel? So it was put in as a comedic joke because if you listen to the commentary, Al Gina stated and saying they put it in there just because they thought it was funny that no other episode had it. And that, like they say it, it says Bart gets hit by a car, and then a moment later, a car hits Bart just like square on. Well, isn't, don't they do it in the Telltale Head? Uh, let's see. 
I think it is also in the Telltale Head because there's a few episodes where they uh, do uh, But I don't titles. think that one has an episode number on it. Oh. Because this says episode 23, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's right. This one does have the number two. <laughs> that's weird. Uh, but yeah, I I do think it was like right before he gets hit by this car, <laughs> yep. the title comes up, Bart gets hit by a car. Wah, wah. I almost feel like it would have been funny if they would have done it right after he gets hit by the car. <laughs> you know, I think you might be right. I think co- comedy, I, I feel like there is something kind of like, you know, funny about like, oh, it's just, you know, it says it and then he gets hit. But I do feel like if it was like he gets hit and then it's like. Bart gets hit by a car. It's sort yeah. of like kind of an after the fact, like, oh, too little, too like, late Like, I don't thing. know if you guys watch Always Sunny, but that's how they always start the show. There's something ridiculous. There's uh-huh. a silly scene that kind of sets up the intro. They usually will say the intro in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's normally just something ridiculous, right? Like, it's like, you know, there's no way we're going to, like, you know, like, kidnap a child. And then it's like, the gang kidnaps a child. <laughs> yeah. I... So uh, uh, Bart gets nailed by uh, this fancy, fancy looking car and Smithers gets out and is pretty sure Bart's, you know, pretty badly hurt. And Burns tells them to give the kid a nickel and keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, I mean, Bart, we find out is not that badly hurt. However... There is a, a certain amount of just rotten, cold callousness from any man who hits a child, a child, and then says, give him a nickel, whatever, keep going. Like, that's terrible. Uh, and Bart dies for a few moments. So Burns' car, mm-hmm. if you notice, it has a, the hood ornament that is the atom on it. Does it? It has an atom hood ornament right on the front of it. Which his hood ornament will change as we have different <laughs> visions of this episode later on. Yes, oh. it will. And it does. It does alter. I didn't catch the atom. I only saw one of the other uh, uh, hood ornaments. Uh, you saw the one I want. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, well, now maybe Bart isn't really dead and this is a dream. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but he says, hey, cool, I'm dead. And his spirit pops out of his little body <laughs> and uh, uh, goes to an escalator. And we get to hear the most heavenly voice greet Bart. It is such a wonderful voice. It is Phil Hartman, who is going to become a very big mainstay on The Simpsons. And this is the, like, because he was never a guest star in a previous episode, right? This is his first role. This is his first role, yep. (sighs) What a wonderful voice. (laughs) No, he really does have the best voice. It's always dripping with sarcasm. It's so good. And when he needs it to be charming, like it is. Like When (laughs) when it is the voice of the angel telling Bart not to spit off the side and like keep your hands on the rail, it's just so wonderfully said. Just, please keep your hands on the rail. (laughs) We told you to keep your hands on the rail. Like, it's just so good. I love it. Did you notice one of the animals that was on uh, a cloud in heaven? (laughs) Yes. Lay it on, it's glitch. Yeah, it was uh, Snowball 1. With tire, with, with tire marks. You have tire tracks. Tire tracks them. and the white fur because that's why <laughs> Snowball got his name. And then they have um, mm-hmm. my another one is he says, Great Grandpa Simpson. And it's a man choking a child on the cloud. <laughs> I okay. thought that was weird. I got a question about that one for you guys. Uh-huh. Did Abe have a brother that's being choked? Because this is obviously on Homer's side. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought too. Like, who's the child he's choking? <laughs> well, Homer, or I'm sorry, Bart also uh, mentions uh, uh, Aunt Hortense. He says uh, Aunt Hortense and Great Grandpa Simpson. Now, 
And Hortense looks a lot like someone from Marge's family. So is she stuck for all eternity hanging out with a Simpson and it's one of the Bouviers? Or is that maybe like, uh, what would that be? Uh, Aunt Hortense would have been Grandpa's sister if it was in the Simpson family. Unless it's great Aunt Hortense and it's like great Grandpa Simpson's sister. A lot about this scene confuses me because there's Aunt Hortense, great Grandpa Simpson, and some kid getting strangled. (laughs) (laughs) they're also in heaven which makes me think that maybe that kid is not supposed to be in heaven but like who's the kid I don't know that's what confused me and what is the relation with Aunt Hortense she looks so much like Marge it almost I'm not gonna lie the thought crossed my mind I was like did did Marge have like an older sister who died like when she was a kid or something because she looks so much like... But then how would Bart have known her? It doesn't make any sense. And if Great Grandpa Simpson's choking a kid, is that his hell to be choked for all eternity? Or is that Grandpa's heaven? What did that kid do to be stuck being strangled by some guy for all eternity? That's rough. So, you know, uh, as I, I sort of hinted at, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, the sweet heavenly voice of Phil Hartman says... Please do not spit over the side. And Bart goes, <laughs> spits, and you see the, the ocean beneath, because he's, you know, you're way up in you know, the heavens, so you see Earth down below, kind of bloop, and ripples. And the escalator immediately, like, flattens out. Bart goes sliding down, and much like you said, uh, he, the sarcasm starts coming in, and uh, Phil Hartman's like, we told you to hang on to the handrails. <laughs> we told you not to spit over the side. The uh, escalator disappears, the earth below shatters open, and Bart ends up in hell. Uh, and the scene is honestly probably one of the most horrifying moments of the a regular episode of The Simpsons. Because there's a certain uh, 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 piece of art that they stole for this scene and replicated in this episode. I'm glad you brought this up because yeah. we're going to post this on our Facebook page for all of our listeners out there. <laughs> it's it's honestly uh, a really interesting piece of art. Uh, did you uh, look into that, Sean? Yeah, the Garden of Earthly Delights is the name of the painting. Yeah, uh, what is it? Hero- Hieronymus Bosch? His triptych? Is that what it is? I believe. Bosch or Bosch? I'm not sure the pronunciation. It's uh, he was a Dutch painter. Uh, what was it? 1450 to 1516. Yeah, and he wasn't appreciated in his time at all. All I of mean, his artwork. No, I, mean, I know that's most artists. <laughs> I was crazy. Say, no like no artist was appreciated. I. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, he was known for a lot of religious paintings, uh, and uh, uh, a triptych. Uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm not really sure. Uh, it's like a paneled painting. It's really interesting. It's uh, it's like one shot that's big, and then there's like two doors to it that close in on it. So you can close the piece of art, and it like opens up, and so you have two small panels on the outer side, and then one in the center. It's almost like it folds in itself? Yeah, it's really weird. So for all the video game listeners out there who played the most recent God of War, you actually see a lot of paintings like this that tell the backstory of the game, where they fold out. Kratos will explain what was going on. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but yeah, the scene is horrifying. Like, it's really weird and bizarre. Like, uh, all the, like, uh, uh, the like demons, monsters, whatever they are, you see in the background uh, are from this painting. And like the painting itself is very bizarre. It's very unsettling. You can certainly tell to a certain extent why he might not have been appreciated because like, I mean, yeah, hell should be a very alien 
notion from the mind. Like, you know, when we think of hell, you know, yeah, okay, fire, demons, sure, whatever. That's sort of an easy-to-imagine thing. But, like, hell, to the best of my knowledge, should be this sort of alien, horrifying place that's, like, beyond imagination that's just full of torture and despair. And this painting kind of shows you that. Like, it's so eerie and bizarre. So one of my favorite things about the painting to this episode is Mm -hmm. in the painting, if you look in the bottom right-hand corner, there's, like, a frog-like creature that's eating a human being. It's eating him whole. And in the actual Simpsons episode, he's sipping like a big gulp cup. It's hilarious <laughs> to look at. <laughs> That's great. Uh, my favorite is probably the fact that, like, it's it's still, like, even though it's it's modeled after this painting, it is still a Simpsons-style shot. So, like, the the weird picture, like, in, in this uh, Earth uh, Garden of Earthly Delights shot, you have this, like, being that's sort of, like, hunched over and his, like, back is, like, broken open as if it's, like, an eggshell. And it's real creepy looking, and and but like when it's the Simpsons shot, it looks like a character from the Simpsons would. So it's sort of like cartoony, but still real weird. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Bart meets the devil, right? Yeah, voiced by Harry Shear. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. It's voiced by Harry Shear. Uh, we'll eventually find out that the devil is really Ned Flanders. On Halloween. <laughs> On Halloween. I. <laughs> uh, now I. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, Bart uh, says probably one of my favorite lines. I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? <laughs> and the he laughs. And he's like, I'm the devil. I uh, now I I you know Bart tries to proclaim he's innocent. The devil laughs and says, yeah, That's what they all say. Uh, now, uh, did you guys catch when uh, Bart is supposed to die? He's supposed to die when the Yankees win the pennant. <laughs> yeah, which is ten years from now. Uh, it's, which it wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he, the devil says it's going to be nearly a century away. So Bart would have lived uh, to around 100, yeah. according to the devil. Uh, now, uh, are you guys familiar with the difference between like the pennant and the World Series? Because I'm not as big into baseball, and I had to look this stuff up. And it's kind of interesting that there's a difference between a, the pennant and the World Series. Wasn't well, the pennant just when you win your conference? Yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea. I always thought the pennant was like the championship. Like you won the World Series, you get the pennant. Kind of like you get the Stanley Cup. Kind of like how you get the, you know, whatever other, uh, 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 you know, like a war, like a, uh, the trophies and the stuff. Heinzman. Heinz, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, I I didn't realize that, you know, that's how it worked. But yeah, the the Yankees last one in 1981, uh, and it changed in 1996, you know, way sooner than what the devil thought. Uh, but I mean, that's standard Simpsons kind of stuff, right? And, you know, to make fun of a certain team, you know, I mean, uh, they eventually do that in like, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Cape Fear, you know, they uh, make fun of like, you know, uh, what is it? John Elway and the Denver Broncos? They make fun of the Broncos a lot. Like when Hank Scorpio gives Homer the Denver Broncos. I guess it's okay. It's not the, it's not the Dallas Always Cowboys. Always wanted to own the, the Cowboys. Yeah. I think going to the Denver Broncos is pretty good. Yeah, you just won't understand. And so, uh, I, you know, Bart gets, you know, not supposed to die yet. So he gets sent back into his body. Uh, and Bart's like, you know, well, how can I avoid hell? And the devil's like, well, I could tell you. You're not going to like, you know, to do, uh, uh, you wouldn't like it. And Bart's like, yeah, all right, fair enough. And uh, uh, the devil yells, uh, remember, Bart, lie, cheat, steal, and listen to heavy metal music. Yeah, I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell after that sentence right there. (laughs) I also appreciate that uh, as Bart's soul is rising up, we see a few things, right? Some weird background stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I noticed some things. Yeah, so what do we got? 
Did you oh, have something? I, yeah, I didn't. Um, no. So oh. I noticed that uh, Jacques yeah. uh, from a previous episode is in the examining room, and the doctor is slapping a glove, and Jacques' eyes just get real wide. <laughs> and what I'm thinking is, Sean, uh, Mr. Jacques, who has all those sex awards, may not have been so lucky after all. Yeah, he might have struck out. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you have so many awards for sex and lovemaking... You're bound to get an STD or so, right? It's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when you're playing the field, it's just what happens. Remember to test yourself, everybody. Uh, now, uh, I, you also see dinosaur bones before you get to the hospital scene, too, which I thought was fun. Uh, you also see Flanders with one of the Flanders kids, but I didn't catch which one. You see uh, uh, Rod. Rod? Okay. Uh, you see Rod. And uh, what's it? what caught me off guard is uh, we don't know what they're there for, of course, right? But there is a sign in the background, and it says, uh, uh, you know, uh, like to get a booster shot. Uh, now, the only booster shot for Rod's age would be for HPV to prevent genital warts. Is that... I mean, I don't think that's what Flanders would be getting for Rod. How, how old is Rod supposed to be at this point? Like around like 12-ish or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. When that I, when seems I, a little odd. <laughs> right? When I looked online, and this was just a quick you know search on Google, I had searched like, you know, uh, uh, booster shot like ages and stuff. And the only thing in Rod's age range would be like a, a booster shot for HPV. Well, I mean, unless he was getting something elective, because, like, be. there's lots of different things that you can get that aren't necessarily, like, there's certain ones you have to have, sure. and then, like, you can get, like, the Hep A one. You can oh. do different things like that, and that is kind of like a booster one, because you have to get it twice, so. I see, and uh, and it would make sense for Flanders to be as careful as possible. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah, but doesn't he not believe in inoculations? I know he doesn't believe in insurance. Yeah, insurance is a scam. No, there's an episode where he doesn't believe in inoculation, and it shows a. <laughs> shows is it a fan fiction episode glitch? I don't believe so. I'm pretty sure this is when the first 12 seasons. I don't even. I could go, be wrong. I don't even go to 12 I wrong. seasons. But the scene shows fan fiction. The scene shows Ron yeah. and Todd shaking and shivering because they have the fever. So I remember that scene. It is in my head now. Okay, I. Yeah, so, uh, and, and it might not have been a booster shot. That's just what's on, like, a poster in the background. That's just sort of what I thought they might have been going for. Uh, but, yeah, we, we see Jacques, and things aren't going good for him. Uh, but uh, I, they, uh, they, Bart becomes conscious. And it's what, I, I, Wizard of Oz? Yes, Wizard of Oz. I even wrote that down, yes. Wizard of, it's a great reference to that. Yeah, so it's, you know, Bart wakes up and he's like, like there was like fire and brimstone and like all these terrible things. And you were there, and you were there, and you were there. And he points at Lionel Hutz, who has probably one of the greatest entrances, I think, of any Simpsons character. Because he's got his arms around Marge and Lisa smiling at Bart. He's so happy in the scene. And Bart's like, you I've never seen before. And we have what might be the best recurring guest episode or guest character for The Simpsons ever. Not might be. I he think is it is. The greatest Lionel Hutz is my favorite Simpsons Absolute. character. Yep, yep, number one right here too. So is it all is it all of your favorite Simpsons characters, Lionel Hutz? Oh my without a doubt. Without a doubt. I think Sideshow Bob might be my favorite character because I'm a sociopath. But, <laughs> but Lionel Hutz is absolutely in top five. He is is phenomenal. I uh, I mean I like uh even uh, uh you know uh 
our actor friend, uh, Troy McClure. Uh, Troy McClure. I don't know why the name escaped me. Thank you. I uh, I love Troy McClure, but Lionel Hutz is so so skeezy and and shady and dumb and wonderful. There's just something so just every scene he's in is just a just it's phenomenal. So when Phil Hartman was on Saturday Night Live, do you mm-hmm. guys know what his nickname was? No. He was called the Glue because if a scene ever fell apart, Phil would save it and make it stick together. <laughs> That's great. I believe that. Because I've yeah. seen some of the dress rehearsals that they've done, and he just is just um, like perfect every time. Well, and is there a scene that he's in, like on Saturday Night Live, when you watch his sketches, that he doesn't just like steal it? Even if he's such a minor part, he becomes like this huge thing. He has so much charisma. Phil Hartman was such a beautiful human like he was so good and like and you're right like he stole every scene he was in like and and you even see that in the simpsons like you know when when you have like you know moments where you know troy mcclure is talking with uh brad goodman later on you know like uh, uh brad goodman is the the star of the scene because he's the sort of the the driving you know driving this like you know scene forward but Troy McClure is absolutely stealing the show because everything he's saying is hilarious. The way he's saying it is great. His delivery is perfect. And Troy McClure does the same things. Every courtroom scene in The Simpsons, well, at least after this moment, because I think Troy McClure is in just about every courtroom scene after this. You mean Lionel Hutz? Yeah, Lionel Hutz. Oh, Lionel Hutz. Sorry, yeah. I, I Same voice actor. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, Lionel Hutz. Every scene that uh, with uh, where they're in court moving forward, I think, has Lionel Hutz in it. And he always steals it. Every every moment he's in it is just gold. Now, which one of us is going to be the person who has the bad news about Phil Hartman? Is it going to be me again? Yeah, it's going to bump me <laughs> I up. think it's easier for you to deliver bad news. Yeah, that's all you do, Craig. That's all you do is deliver bad news to everyone. So, Phil Hartman um, has sadly past. Phil Hartman, uh, 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 quite a few years ago, has had died. Uh, Phil Hartman um, uh, had a wife who, who was troubled. Uh, Phil Hartman uh, uh, died on May 28th, 1998. He was only 49 years old. And uh, his wife, uh, at the time, he, he might have had another wife, uh, but at the very least, his wife at the time um, had been like getting back into drugs. And she killed him, killed herself, and left their children orphans. So Phil uh, Hartman was recording uh, news radio at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on, on that show. And cast members would say that his wife would come on during the sets and just screaming and yelling and have to break up scenes. Man. He would have to take her home, and then they'd have to continue recording another day. That is insane. Uh, yeah, he had been divorced twice before he married Bryn Omidal in 87. So John Lovitz actually blames Andy Dick, who he was working with on news radio at the time, for getting his wife back into drugs. And John Lovitz still that. to this day will not talk to Andy Dick. And if they talk, they fight. I never really liked Andy Dick anyway, so I'm okay with using him as a scapegoat. <laughs> I want someone to blame because, my lord, the world was absolutely a darker place once we lost Phil Hartman. And and that's not right to blame anyone for, for someone's suicide and murder. That's, oof, something, uh, yeah, I... Uh, um, if, if you got issues, you know, reach out to people. We've talked about this on Homer's Odyssey, uh, suicide prevention lines, uh, 
you know, twelve step programs, whatever it takes. But man, it is so sad that that Phil Hartman had passed, and uh, I wanted to make sure that we bring that up in this episode, so that moving forward on all of our episodes, anytime Phil Hartman is there, we can just enjoy the moments we had with him. Because my God, it's depressing what happened. So now we're introduced to Lionel Hutz. Lionel Hutz, smiling, hugging Marge and Homer, <laughs> and Homer says. Hey, yeah, uh, I, I don't know who you are either. He's like, uh, didn't I see you like chasing after the ambulance? <laughs> Lionel Hutz is so good. Uh, I love that Hutz is the extreme of an ambulance chasing lawyer where he actually would chase an ambulance down the street. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Uh, so he he says that I uh, I uh, you know that like hey you know your your son has uh, been hurt potentially you know could be like crippled for life. He's like, but it's good news for you because you can <laughs> ching 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 cash in. <laughs> and I uh, I you know Homer is is a little you know iffy on the matter. He's like neutral at this point. I. Uh, uh, you know, Lisa asks if he's a shyster, <laughs> which is interesting enough. Uh, you know, I think we all know that a shyster is someone who's a little on the shady side. But I found out uh, just by doing a quick search, the definition of the word almost always specifically will target the fact that it is someone in law who is shady. <laughs> it is specifically uh, uh, brings up like lawyers and law and stuff. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I. <laughs> Lionel Hutz is so so shady because in in that moment he's almost shadier in this episode than in later episodes. In later episodes he's a little bit more dense, but in this one he's uh he like he's like now how does a little girl like you know a big word like that? <laughs> he's so <laughs> shitty in that moment. I love it. Uh, but Marge shoes him off. She's like, listen, you know, like our we we trust our doctor. He, you know, says that, you know, there's not that bad much going on with Bart. It's like, what, a broken toe, Hibbert says? Uh, busted up head and a broken toe? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. But, and, but he hands him the business card. <laughs> oh, and that's the <laughs> yes. best part. Which is a sponge that says, as seen on TV, uh, clo uh, clogging our court system since 1976. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love it. And uh, so March is like, you know, sh shoes him off, doesn't want to deal with him. And he's like, you know, just call if you think about it. And a, a guy goes through the hallway and he's like, what is that? A broken neck? Great. <laughs> <laughs> love it. I uh, so I. Uh, I, uh, you know, we we have I, uh, uh, you know, the. Uh, oh, I, I thought that was great too. Mr. H or Dr. Hibbert comes in and uh, Marge asks when she can start mothering him unbearably. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Hibbert's like, maybe give him a few days of rest first. Uh, but uh, the scene transitions, right, to the power plant. Isn't that right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. And uh, one of the uh, workers of the plan, I think maybe Lenny, uh, says, hey, Simpson, I heard Burns, Mr. Burns crushed your boy. <laughs> and Homer says that if he wasn't so spineless, he would go march into his office. And then Smithers turns the corner. Uh, and Smithers mm -hmm. tells him, mm -hmm. Simpson, march into Mr. Burns' <laughs> office right now. <laughs> Oh, oh man! I uh, also I uh, because I love pointing out like you know time you know so we have like you know set times and stuff. The clock behind them as they're all talking, uh, we see that it is two o two p.m. Uh, 
now the next scene pops in and uh, we see that the clock we're, we're going to see that the clock is 256 so it took nearly an hour <laughs> to get to Burns's <laughs> office and you know so I guess Homer, Homer what like trudged there he just slowly moped there maybe he made a like a pit stop at the bathroom uh, well he was still on break right Oh, that could be. Maybe so he probably had, milked it. Yeah, I probably waited till break was over. I know that's what I would do, so I get it. Crusher and Lobolo might have done security check on him too. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just can't get the, uh, uh, you know, there, there's something so impersonal about metal detectors. You need the hands-on approach of a hired goon. Uh, now, I uh, Homer walks in and he says, "Simpson." At last we meet. <laughs> and I love that because, like, now with this, you know, of course, obviously, nowadays we know that, you know, through every episode of The Simpsons, Mr. Burns never remembers Homer. But at this stage of the game, it's still a little fresh. And, like, previously we saw what? Uh, uh, Homer had ruined uh, Burns' governoral uh, 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 attempts. What else did he do? He uh, It was the baseball game. He ruined, yeah. he ruined uh, Employee Night Out. <laughs> ruined Employee Night Out. He's done a bunch of stuff with Mr. Burns, and Mr. Burns does not remember him. Uh, and he gives him a check for $100 and says that you'll have to sign some things. You know, make sure you don't sue. <laughs> stuff like that. And Homer... Is, is sort of caught off guard and he just sort of like it, it's kind of interesting because like Homer is typically pretty cowardly and, and in this moment he is certainly afraid of Mr. Burns but even in this moment he mumbles and he's like well I mean this doesn't even cover the medical expenses and Burns freaks out and you'd think that his lawyers would have been smart enough to be like pay for the kids medical expenses and be done with it you know, because then at that point, Homer would have signed, he would have gotten the money and left. Yeah. Burns really tried to lowball him with $100. Because, like, $100 isn't even copay when you have insurance and you want to go to the doctor <laughs> right. for like a physical. So, using, using inflation calculators, $100 in 1991 mm -hmm. would be 186.16. Okay, yeah, that's still not nearly enough. And now maybe medical stuff was quite a bit cheaper back then. I don't remember. I don't know, but uh, I can't imagine $186 was going to pay for Bart breaking his toe, knocking his head around, and staying in the hospital for a day or so? Yeah. That's, yeah, not 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 likely. Uh, Mr. Burns tells him he's going to crush him like a paper cup, and he attempts to crush that paper cup. You know what's funny? In mm -hmm. that scene, too, in the commentary, they talk about the bear in the office oh, and yeah. how they purposely drew it to be aggressive in such a way so that whoever's entering the scene sees this aggressive bear, which I think is hilarious <laughs> because it speaks so much about Burns. Yeah, that's awesome. I, 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 I didn't... Uh, I wasn't paying too much attention to where the bear was in the scene in this moment. I usually try to find it. I didn't even think about it. Uh, that's that's great though that they're always usually trying to use it as like sort of a uh, like a leverage or like intimidation <laughs> purposes. Uh, so Homer is kind of freaking out as he walks out of the office at exactly two fifty six p.m. Uh, and uh, uh, he's all sweaty and stuff. And I love the fact that in the previous scene Homer starts sweating then, and they start building up the fact that Homer's all sweaty because then it gives him the excuse to reach into his pocket, pull something out to wipe off his forehead, and the card expands. And we see all of the, the, the glory of Lionel Hutz clogging up our court systems. <laughs> so they go to the mall next, right? Yeah, they go to the mall where Lionel Hutz has his office, which is not just a law firm. Uh, what else is it? What is it, Craig? 
Do you have that listed? Uh, oh, no, no. I'm asking you. I, I did not have I that listed. I don't have it listed. <laughs> it's, uh, what is it? It's shoes repaired. That's a- <laughs> shoes repaired also. Yeah, shoes. I, I don't know if that's in this scene, I say, but I know it eventually will be. Yeah, I was going to say that's not in this episode, right? Though, but. <laughs> Lousy clogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he eventually will also do shoe repair on the side. Uh, uh, next to Next door to him is a place called Nook. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's like Animal Crossing. There's like uh, 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 raccoon uh, uh, mortgages <laughs> or something. I'm not sure. Uh, also, it. I mean, like, I, I don't go looking for lawyers very often. I coincidentally had to reach out to a, an attorney, uh, you know, in the previous months here. And uh, their office wasn't in a mall. <laughs> Is that a real bad sign? I don't know enough about lawyers. Yeah, I think that's a red flag right there. Yeah, probably. Yeah. My, fa- my family has a lawyer on retainer, and they're not in the mall. <laughs> they're not at uh, Old Wonderland Mall or uh, Westland Mall or something. I guess Wonderland Mall doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but uh, uh, So Hutz has a secretary named Della in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, which is our first appearance of Doris Grau. Oh, is it? It is Doris Grau's first appearance, who will later go on to be lunch lady Doris. Um, she oh, it a is her voice. Yeah. Critic. Yeah, and she was just like a script supervisor for the yep. team, and they just loved her voice so much. She had that raspy. She has a great, perfect voice, voice and they're like, "We got to have her on the show." Oh yeah, I, l- the lunch lady Doris character is, is just so great. It's so many great one-off little gags with her. I. Uh, she was so good that they wrote a character on the critic for her. <laughs> is that how I I I I was it Dorothy? Yep, that's how Dorothy was created. That's awesome. Uh, so uh, uh, he, uh, Lionel Hutz asks Della, and he asks if there's any calls. And she's like, calls? And she's like, oh, yeah, calls. Uh, and she says the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, Supreme Court called for a freedom thing? Uh, and uh, Lionel Hutz is like, tell them I'll call them back later. Well, she's reading a magazine called Professional Secretary, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I. Uh, so, I uh, did you guys catch the list of schools that Lionel Hutz went to? Mm-hmm. And I use the word schools very, very loosely. No. So he went to Harvard, Yale, MIT, Oxford, the Sorbonne, the Louvre. <laughs> so MIT and the Sorbonne, uh, Sorbonne. Uh, I don't think have a law school. I couldn't find them having a law school. MIT is the, uh, uh, what is it, the Massachusetts... Uh, it's known for its sciences. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, technical institute. And no, they don't have a law school. I didn't think so. Neither does the other one. Sorbonne? Yeah. Uh, I didn't think they did. They're a, a school in France, and I didn't notice they had a law school. Uh, and the Louvre, <laughs> which is the Louvre, is an art museum. There's also the American University of Paris, which is the Louvre. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's the Louvre. It, do they have a law program? They do not. Ah, oh, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I'm still right. One for you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I uh, I also love that when uh, Hut sits down, you hear an ambulance in the background. He gets up and smiles, and he's like, "Ah, maybe next time." I know. I love that. You got to love all that background stuff. I uh, Hutz gets fifty percent of the like whatever they're suing Burns for. I feel like that's really high, right? But maybe not. Is it most like twenty percent? I feel I mean, like I've heard on commercials and stuff. No, like not necessarily because, uh, okay, so I know somebody who went through uh, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Figer's law firm <laughs> and 
they paid them a settlement before their settlement ever came in, and they had to sign that they were okay with whatever they got at this point. Because if they didn't win, mm-hmm. then they wouldn't get. They obviously wouldn't have gotten anything. So they oh. take the settlement up front. So whatever they sue for, whatever they choose to sue for, um, you know, could be millions and millions, and you could get like a hundred thousand. So it could be way more. Oh wow! Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, like, different law firms do things like that, so. And I'm sure that, like, you know, when you're a law firm advertising on TV and stuff, you're probably, I mean, you're probably making enough money to have commercials on TV, so you're probably going to, you know, take a little bit of a larger cut. But, I mean, here's the question about Lionel Hutz. Does he work on contingency? No. No. (laughs) Money down. (laughs) Money down. Yes, money down. (laughs) I got to get rid of this bar association tag. (laughs) I... So uh, uh, Homer is also going to get a, a, a faux pearl necklace. Uh, and, uh, you know, Hut starts, you know, saying he's like, you know, we're going to, you know, or he says the state uh, prevents me from uh, promising you a, a big cash settlement. He says, but Mr. Simpson, I promise you a big cash settlement. <laughs> and Homer's like. Homer gets real shady in this moment, and uh, we're, we're going to see some kind of weird stuff here in this episode with Homer. Uh, he says, I don't know, maybe we have different ideas of big cash settlements. And uh, Lionel Hutt says, a million dollars? And he's like, oh no, million dollars is A-OK with me. And the scene has like a weird like jingle. It's like, doo-doo. And then it kind of like fades out yeah for like a commercial break yeah it's just sort of like a weird like like musical cue for them to slap in there i now i i the next we see in the mall in the mall i repeat they are at a mall we see uh signs for gum for less uh and next door to gum for less is dr nick riviera (laughs) who's a general specialist and a credit doctor uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, when I Google searched credit doctor, it brought up like credit services that help you fix your credit. So I can only pray that Dr. Nick Riviera is not also doing credit stuff. Though, you know, Lionel Hutz also prepared shoes on the side. <laughs> Dr. Nick also sells products on TV. That's true. So maybe it's also one of those uh, uh, places you see in the mall, like the yes, we like the yes, it's on TV, you know, like stores. Uh, what are those stores As called? As seen on TV. As seen on TV yeah. stores, yeah. Uh, also, uh, he has a sign that says, yes, we use anesthetic. Which is interesting because later on in the series, we will see that Dr. Nick Riviera sometimes is the anesthesiologist for Dr. Hibbert. Which makes me think that maybe the only training he has medically is as an anesthesiologist. <laughs> and the rest of it is a little fake because did you guys catch some of the, the uh, uh, diplomas on the wall? The only one I caught was the federal booby inspector. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's also uh, uh, went to Club Med School, uh, which is a uh, a resort in France. Uh, and he also has a sign or a, a diploma that says, "I went to medical school for four years, and all I got was this lousy diploma." <laughs> uh, oh, and I'm sorry. He also went to the Mayo Clinic Correspondence School. Uh, school. So, you know, he's got a real, real uh, crackerjack education there. Uh, uh, now, uh, uh, <laughs> so Lionel Hutz asks Dr. Nick Riviera, because, uh, you know, Homer's like, well, you know, Dr. Hibbert, or I'm sorry, no, Marge, because the whole family's there at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Marge is like, well, Dr. Hibbert said that, you know, everything's okay. 
you know, he's been our family physician for years. Like, what's going on? And uh, Dr. Nick Riviera says that uh, he's got whiplash, trauma. And Bart thinks he's going to die. <laughs> he's like, am I going to die? And Homer's like, yes. <laughs> and then uh, uh, he starts crying and Marge is like, Homer. And, and he's like, no, no, you won't, you won't die. And then he's like, will I ever play baseball again? And he's like, no. No. Uh, so huh? he says the thing about the whiplash. He's like, you see that smudge that looks like a fingerprint? <laughs> <laughs> That's whiplash. And that black spot there? That's trauma. <laughs> I, I, I will say, like, we're, we're really hyping up the fact that Phil Hartman has arrived and, and we have Troy McClure. But Dr. Nick Riviera is another really fun character. Oh, he's great. You know, walks in. Hi, everybody. I can't really do the voice or else I would try it. Uh, everyone responds. It's, it's such a fun character. And he's always such a piece of garbage. <laughs> I, now, I... I I also really love the fact that uh, Marge, uh, uh, you know, is is like, you know, what's what's going on here? Uh, you know, Dr. Hibbert, you know, said all these other things. And Homer gets super sarcastic. And he's like, oh, Dr. Hibbert, just because he went to John Hopkins Medical School, <laughs> which coincidentally is one of the best medical schools in America and maybe the world. Uh, now I... Uh, <laughs> Lionel Hutz is like, Mrs. Simpson, with all due respect, you're not a doctor. I'm not a doctor. The only person in this room who comes close to being a doctor is this man. And Dr. Nick Riviera is like, stop, you're embarrassing me. It's so good. So going back to the will I ever play baseball again. Uh Homer says no. <laughs> Bart says, but I played baseball this morning. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Marge is like, he did play baseball this morning. And Marge is is pretty known for not standing up to Homer, especially in a lot of these earlier episodes. Uh, you know, she she becomes less the, she's a little bit less the voice of reason, a little bit more passive, I think, in earlier uh, seasons. Uh, and, and, and even in this moment, she's always sort of saying like, yeah, that's right. Like, she's always a little suspicious, but she doesn't just come out and say, yeah, no, you're full of crap. Uh, and then they, they start bandaging uh, Bart because of uh, uh, Lionel Hutz thinks it's soft tissue in the facial area. <laughs> and Ly- or, and uh, Nick Riviera says, say when, as he wraps Bart up. Like a mummy. I. And we cut to Mr. Burns. And uh, Mr. Burns wants Homer Simpson fired. Uh, and Smithers is like, are you sure? Think of the headlines. And Mr. Burns starts imagining all the headlines. Did any of you catch what they were? I remember one of them was like, Burns did it again. And like... <laughs> So we have Burns fires ungrateful employee, another smart move by Burns. Yeah, that's the one. And then another is hooray for Burns, all from the Springfield Chopper, which we know is the, the local newspaper for the uh, city of Springfield. Now, see, this this aspect like of mm-hmm. Burns, like this exact scene yeah. is how I always think of you. Uh. I don't know why but like the tenting of the fingers the fact that he's just like it's like almost like an innocence like well what what would be wrong with these headlines 
I, it always makes me think of you because there's just that little level of evil there. And I don't know. I really wish that I could like say something in my defense, <laughs> but I know, I know that like Billy, as we go through the Simpsons and we start getting to like more of Sideshow Bob, more of Mr. Burns being a supervillain blocking out the sun, that really this is small potatoes compared to what you could be saying. So I, I'm just going to have to grin and bear this one. I. Uh, I also like that uh, this is the first time, uh, of two at least, I can think of, that Mr. Burns gets uh, compared to being an ogre. He specifically says he does not want to seem like an ogre, so he'll bide his time. <laughs> uh, and uh, as we all know, I'm I'm really big into Dungeons and Dragons, and you know, if you want to listen to Noobs and Dragons and hear more about ogres and stuff, you go ahead and listen to Noobs and Dragons. Uh, but I... I we cut to the living room, and I, uh, I, uh, you know, Lionel Hutz is coaching, which is probably not great. Uh, Bart, and he's like, Bart, how do you feel? And Bart's like, I'm fine. And he's like, Oh, he's fine. He's fine. Isn't that great? He's fine. You are not fine. You are in constant pain. And it's great because, like, if you had asked me, can can Lionel Hutz like roar in rage in a later season? I would have probably told you like if I didn't know Phil Hartman, I would have probably been like, nah. I, I mean, that's not really. I can't imagine the the voice actor for Lionel Hutz being able to roar in rage. But Phil Hartman has great range, and so he can do that as <laughs> Lionel Hutz. I. Uh, and so I, uh, Lisa and Marge are having doubts, and uh, Hutz asks. Oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, they're they're having their doubts, and they're like, you know, this, 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 I mean, I don't, you know, Marge is like, I don't mind you guys doing this in the living room. And I love that she says that, like, oh, it's okay to do that here. <laughs> but you know, like, won't Bart be, you know, forced to tell the truth? And I, uh, and I love that Hutz asks, well, what is the truth? I <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. I love that line for one specific reason. Yeah, Lionel Hutz's final appearance. Will later be in season nine. That's right. And he asks Mart, she's selling houses, and he uh-huh. says, There's the truth and the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and that is his final appearance uh, uh, on the show, isn't it? Final speaking role, at least. Wow. Uh, yeah, that, that's really funny that uh, uh, the first episode has him talking about the truth, and so does the last episode. Uh, now, I. Uh, uh, the. I, you know, they're 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 like you know uh, talking more, and and Lionel Hutz is like Bart, can you roll your eyes in the back of your head, and uh, and Bart's like oh like this, and sticks his tongue out, and he's like good, the kid's a natural, <laughs> the kid's a natural, that's right. I uh, now I uh, it jumps into the courtroom, and there's a little bit of a discrepancy here because I uh, I uh, we have Judge Moulton introduced. But later on, uh, we know that this very same judge is referred to as Judge Schneider by Lionel Hutz. Because Lionel Hutz says, oh no, we've drawn Judge Schneider. And Mark says, is that bad? And he's like, well, I kind of accidentally ran over his dog. And she's like, you did? And he's like, well, replace the word kind of, or uh, replace the word dog with son, and the word kind of with repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's referred to as Judge Schneider in that episode. So perhaps his name is Schneider Moulton, or Moulton Schneider? I'm not really sure. But anywho, uh, Burns uh, uh, would like, or his Burns' lawyer says that he has an announcement, and that Burns is rich and important and not like other men. 
Burns stands up and says he should be able to run over as many children as he wants. So it's funny that you said that reminds you of Craig because that's the line that reminds me of Craig. It's Craig saying he should be able to run over as many children as he wants. I think mine was a little more innocent, though. It was. But I can't contend with either of them, so I just have to grin and bear it. Uh, I love you, Craig. So but you're going to run over kids someday. <laughs> Some. Uh, anyway, uh, so the uh, uh, it's funny because uh, uh, you know the judge is like you know if, if you don't like you know settle down I'm gonna have to hold you for contempt and Burns is like you wouldn't dare and the burn or the judge is like well no I wouldn't dare you're right I <laughs> uh, now I uh, we start with uh, Bart's side of, or uh, Bart's imagination uh, first his story so to speak uh, and uh, I love that it shifts from bright and colorful and really cheery and him on his skateboard and then it tr- like it, the scene sort of pans and you see all the trees start dying and it becomes this like spooky Halloween road with all these dead trees and uh, becomes like sort of a horror movie aesthetic uh, with uh, Burns's car driving down the road, Burns laughing like a maniac, and um, he his, his, his hood ornament has now become crosshairs as he's lining up to hit Bart. <laughs> I want that so much. It's so goofy and maniacal. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I have it on my car. It's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, a couple of things to note here are that the seatbelt holsters, you know, like where you loop the seatbelt in behind you, are skulls with roses in their mouths. Oh. Uh, now I... I Bart says he's li- it's lucky he wasn't killed, but sometimes he wish he had been. And everybody starts like you know tearing up in the 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 crowd and stuff, and you know everything like that. And we also see uh, Herman is in like the front row behind uh, uh, Homer and uh, uh, Lionel Hutz at like the the like the table or bench or whatever it is. Uh, they're like you know I don't their table. I'm not really sure what the terminology is. There are some weird members of that court, which I'll get to in a little bit. All right. Uh, now, Burns' side of the story, though, is a little different. And not only just because of the fact that it's it's a different story entirely, but he reads them from prepared notes. Like, that's not good, right? No. I don't feel like that's that's great. Uh, he says he was passing out gifts at the orphanage. Uh, he's in a pink beetle. <laughs> uh, what was the, was there a hood ornament on that one? There is not that I caught. Okay, I didn't. I didn't see one, but I wasn't paying as much attention just because the pink beetle is just so <laughs> ridiculous. I uh, and Burns uh, uh, tries to swerve to avoid uh, 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 Bart. Bart maniacally laughs and gets hit anyway, and then uh, Burns uh, rushes out. And his his telling the telling of the story says uh, Smithers is like, "Oh, it's not important, sir." And Burns is like, "You cold, heartless monster!" And he's like, gets on his hands and knees. He's like, "I'm old. Take me instead." And nobody buys it and even smithers is glaring at him for just throwing him under the bus <laughs> and he's like what you believe my his cock and bull story but you don't believe mine i uh, and uh, uh things aren't looking good for mr burns like he's he's a monster everybody knows he's a monster and for some reason he wasn't smart enough to bribe this jury like he will other juries <laughs> later on uh, so Mr. Burns, uh, what is he, yelling at his... Uh, uh, yelling at the lawyers, yeah. Yeah, and so he's like yelling at the lawyers, and like his voice is still booming out, and he's like, you know, like, what does he say exactly? Do you guys remember? 
it's have the big ape come over to my house tonight. Yeah. We'll buy him off with a banana or two. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, hang your heads in shame. And all the lawyers go, hmm, and they're all crestfallen. Uh, and Homer's pissed. Well, you can hear everything. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I get it. But, you know, I mean, at this point, you know, you can end the trial, get it done and over with, and get the money and run, you know, or some money and run, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Homer is getting greedy. Homer is, is I mean, Homer's always a little greedy, but in this episode in particular, he starts getting real fired up about it. Uh, the scene transitions, and uh, uh, there it burns his manor. And it's like the, 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 I feel like it's the same living room shot we see a lot in Burns' house, right? Yeah, with the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I, I, the Burns says that the, uh, 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 the, Indonesian rhino. Uh, he says it's the last one, and he killed it. <laughs> and uh, and Burns and and uh, Marge is like, oh, I had no idea you loved animals so much. And Burns is like, hmm, only their heads. And him and Smithers start like laughing like <laughs> pretentiously. Uh, and for the record, uh, the Indonesian or Javan rhino uh, uh, was once the most widespread rhinoceros species in Asia. Uh, and while it's critically endangered, they aren't fully extinct now. Uh, but it's kind of depressing because there's currently f- between 58 and 68 remaining in the wild. So they're they're pretty much gone. And Burns had a hand in it. <laughs> I <laughs> Do you think Burns killed it or do you think he hired someone to just bring it there? Oh, that's a good question. Uh cuz I feel like if Burns shot a shotgun or a rifle, like I mean he's going flying, right? Like he can't hold on with kickback. Yeah, bad. exactly. Uh, Burns says, "You know, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, Burns actually is like, oh, like drink up some wine, have some wine, like yada yada." And and Homer's like, "Mr. Burns, are you trying to get me drunk?" And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I, Burns says we should settle it man to man. And Homer's like, "You mean duke it out?" I. <laughs> uh, and he says, you know, no, 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 this is an embarrassing situation, yada, yada. Uh, and he offers Homer the very modest sum. Uh, well, he crosses one number off, and, and then he, you know, changes it to 500000 With a smiley face. With a smiley face. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, you know, Burns doesn't want to lose money. I get it. But, like, isn't Burns a billionaire? Like, couldn't he be like, here's, you know, 750000 It's It's a little bit lower than what you want, but we'll pay less in court fees, yada, yada. Let's get this he over He didn't become with. a billionaire by just giving away money. Touche. <laughs> Touche. You're not wrong. And he'll later go broke, so he doesn't have as much money as he thought. That's, yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, now, Marge is, is you know, uh, pretty upset because Homer is being real greedy. He's like, I spit on his $500,000 and like spits across the room as uh, Burns and Smithers are watching from behind a painting. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, as they talk about uh, the money thing. And Marge says, or Marge mentions phony doctors. And Burns... Well, she says, I've never seen you this way. This Mm -hmm. is like a study I don't like. And she talks about all the shady things that have been going yeah. on and phony doctors and everything like that. And uh, phony doctors, hello. Yes. You know, the picture itself that they're hiding uh-huh. behind is like one of my favorite things, too, because yeah. it's him and a dog. <laughs> it's Smithers and <laughs> Crouch Dog to yeah. be the dog. <laughs> <laughs> we'll eventually see that uh, Smithers will be his uh, robot dog later on. I. Uh, 
Now, uh, uh, Burns comes back in. He rips up the uh, uh, settlement, and he says, oh, well, time's over. The offer's expired. I guess we're going to have to let the uh, the jury decide. 12, uh, 12 good men, or, or 12 good men and true, or something like that. And he's like, Smithers, release the hounds. Mm-hmm. And we see for the second time Smithers, so, or uh, Burns releases the hounds? I did some research on mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And technically, by sicking the dogs on them when they are not on his property, and he's invited them, it is aggravated assault. So really, they all only had to do is get bit by dogs, and they could have sued him for even more. Yes. Hmm. That's a wasted opportunity <laughs> running away. They probably would have also had witness tampering as that thing in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you know, if only Lionel Hutz was a good enough lawyer to, to know that they could have done that. Uh, now, I... I we get back to the uh, uh, courtroom, and uh, there's a few people in the background at this point uh, that I know you probably want yeah. to talk about. And there's even one I caught, I think, that's pretty interesting. I've got a lot of them I want to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So they call Marge Simpson to the stand. Yeah. And the, the shot pans in on Marge, and you can see all these people behind her. So we have Jacques, who's whispering to someone something, <laughs> probably about his alleged affair with Marge. We have a very, very off-model Skinner. I saw the the Skinner-looking guy. That caught me off guard. He looks like a smaller head on Skinner, but behind him. Mm -hmm. Behind him is the woman I want to talk about. Okay. There is a woman who has a giraffe neck. What? Her neck is probably the size of Skinner, and then her little head goes on. It looks like a character from Hey Arnold. Weird. (laughs) Look at this scene next time you watch it. She's got this long, freaky neck. it was terrifying, and I paused on it for like five minutes. Just like, what is going on? Now, there was one other person I caught in there. Did you uh, see the other person who's actually another uh, character that we've seen before? Is it an off-model Barney? It, it's, it sort of looks similar to Barney. There is the guy who, in a Homer's Night Out, he walked into the Quickie Mart and was like, uh, like, hey, he's like, hey, do, 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 and oh, like, did yeah, the dance. Guy. It's like the middle-aged guy who did the dance to Homer, and like Homer got all weirded out by him. <laughs> that guy is in a suit in this courtroom. Weird. Right? He must have loved Homer's dancing so much <laughs> that he needed to know what would happen to Homer's son. Maybe. I have no idea. Uh, but I, so Marge goes up to the bench and I, you know, she's going to answer the questions, tell the truth. And the lawyer uh, just, Burns's lawyer breaks everything apart. Uh, you know, and, she, you know, he's like, oh, you know, like, I, I, you know, we, you know, who's your family doctor? And she's like, you know, Dr. Hibbert, Dr. Julius Hibbert. And he's like, wait a second. We heard testimony from one Dr. Nick Riviera. Uh, who's he? And she's like, well, we just met him. And he's like, oh, you just met him. You didn't go with your family physician. And he just starts ripping apart their case because obviously Dr. Nick Riviera and Lionel Hutz are hamming things up. I. Uh, and in fact, uh, 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 when he asked the first question of what she thought of Dr. Nick Riviera, she doesn't say anything. And when he's like, you know, <laughs> hey, speak up. She's like, well, you, you know, can't say something nice. Don't say anything at all. And Homer looks to Lionel Hutz. He's like, does that hold up in the co- in court? And Lionel Hutz is like, no, I've tried. <laughs> Uh, and Marge complains about Dr. Nick Riviera and even mentions that he can't pronounce the word abdomen. I. Uh, and um, 
basically the lawyer finds out that by Bart missing a little bit of work around the house, they would have been out five dollars. Well, so Marge's quote is like, uh, he couldn't even pronounce easy words like I could, like abdomen. In fact, I'm not even sure if he was a doctor at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and his office was dirty. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. And so uh, I I and, and the one thing I do want to uh, keep in mind here is I feel like Lionel Hutz's defense could have very easily been like, "Hey, listen. We went to two doctors. Like whether you believe that this is a doctor or not, we went to these two doctors. Here's the medical expenses. This is like, you know, all this stuff. Like I feel like they still had a bit of a case, but Lionel Hutz is very quick to fold uh because <laughs> Mr. Burns offers them another settlement. For zero, and yeah. Lionel Hutt says, I think you should take yeah, it. Yeah, Mark saying the thing about Bart doing <laughs> chores was the only thing that they, you know, had to do, and that's all they wanted for the settlement. That makes no sense at all. Like you said, the medical bills mm-hmm. alone. Well, and she says, she says when she's at Burns' house, I would have settled for the medical bills and an apology. Yeah. yeah. And that's when Burns like, well, you'll get nothing. Yep. And, <laughs> and uh, you'll get none of that. Uh, 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 Homer and uh, Lionel Hutz bit off more than they could chew, and they get a whole fat lot of nothing. In fact, I'd say they get two things, diddly and squat, both at the same time. Uh, this episode gets really dark right here. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it gets real dark. Like it gets Homer real jumping weird. off a bridge dark. So... Lionel Hutz is no longer in this episode, and it, we're we're poorer for it because the episode takes a weird, dark turn. Homer is at the dinner table, and Marge is across the table, and it's all somber. And like you know, the kids are eating; everyone's just sitting there. Like Homer's just staring at Marge, and he refers to her as a treacherous snake woman for losing him a million dollars. Well, this is all like in his head. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't say this out loud. This is all in his. Uh, his and this head. is actually something that. Uh, James Brooks actually wanted in the in the episode. This was his thing. I don't I don't know if he just loves voiceovers because that was kind of the same thing in the Dancing Homer episode yeah. where it's all voiceovers. That's something that James L. Brooks just loves. The, it's it's weird too because I feel like you know like y- they could have easily pan- like spread out the law jokes and the court jokes a little bit more, and I feel like it could have just been they lose the money and then they may have a lesson at the end, and that could have ended the episode. But things take a weird, dark turn. Yeah, they do. Homer is real, real down on Marge for losing the money. Also, it's weird that they were having celery with cream cheese for dinner, right? <laughs> like, that's a snack. Right, yeah. That's an that's a, a appetizer at best. Uh, but uh, Bart kind of gets all excited, and he's like, man, it would have been great if we could have got that million dollars. And uh, Marge, you know, is, is sort of, like, you know, uh, upset and says, like, oh, you know, like, you know, don't don't talk about that. And uh, Homer is essentially considering leaving Marge and the children. He's like, well, this is the last time I'm here. And he asks for permission to go to Moe's. And Marge says, yeah, but her woman's intuition is firing on all cylinders. So is he debating on leaving her or is he debating on just, you know, no, I mean, killing himself he, again? No, because he says... He'll do all the stuff. Like, he tells her. He's not leaving He her. does, but he also mentions at one point, uh, he says, I guess this is the glass I'll die in. And that's just real weird. And maybe it's Homer being, like, very, very dramatic. But he does, I mean, he, like, says he's, like, never coming back. And then he also says that, like, this is the glass he'll die in. And then he does. When when Marge comes in, he, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
says that he'll do all the things he's supposed to, which is also another really shitty comment. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, so Mo insists that rich people aren't really happy. Um, Homer in his head is just like, Mo, you're an idiot. Uh, also, Marge comes in and uh, we have uh, uh, Herman and Barney, who are, uh, I think it's Herman, right? Is in the bar? Yeah, Herman's in the bar. Yeah, Herman goes from the court to the bar. Not <laughs> sure why he was, you know, uh, uh, at the, the courtroom in the first place. But then uh, uh, they start, like, catcalling Marge. And then Homer's like, you know, knock it off, guys. That's my wife. Barney should know Marge. He does know Marge. He absolutely knows Marge. Is it just because he's so drunk? Does he recognize her at this point? He's probably a few drinks in. Yeah, fair enough. I... Uh, by and a few, I mean like a lot of drinks. Yeah, yeah that's Barney. Uh, so we get a little bit of weird contradiction from Homer because, you know, Marge is like, come home. And he's like, listen, it's not about the money. Uh, but instead, it's that he would see Marge as, quote, the dame that blew his one big chance. Yeah, that's exactly. It's about the money. About the money. Yeah, I, I don't really understand where Homer's going with that. Uh and he says that he doesn't know if he loves her anymore. And what is, you know, and then he says uh, he'd still do the bed stuff. And maybe <laughs> it won't be so bad. Maybe it won't be so bad. He'll stay with Marge for the sake of the children. He'll sleep with her. And, quote, maybe it won't be so bad. That is, I, I dare say, this might be. I think I'm going to go on record and say that this is the lowest, shittiest moment for Homer. I When he was, quote unquote, like, you know, unfaithful by, like, you know, dancing with, like, the, the uh, belly dancer and Marge was super upset with him, that's nothing compared to deciding that he doesn't love his wife and but will still sleep with her and yeah, maybe it won't be so bad. Like, that is the worst. I don't know that it gets much worse than this. Well, okay, so let me ask you, Danielle. If I ever said to you that I don't love you... <laughs> this is going to get so awkward! And that I that you ruined my one big chance, and then you asked me, are you for real? And then I said, who am I kidding? I can't not love you. Would you be okay with that? Okay, so he doesn't say that he doesn't love her. He says he doesn't know. And she says... Well, I need I need to know right now. I need you to look me in the eye. Um, you know, like so I, I think it's just an over exaggeration of like the irritation he feels over not getting that money and how he blames her for it. So I mean his words are not that great. Like to say I don't know if I love you, that would probably really piss me off. Don't do that. <laughs> but um but no, I mean I, I kinda see like I kinda see it the like you know, to just be so frustrated, so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And like, um, you know, to he doesn't say he doesn't love her. He says, I don't know if I do. And that's why he can't look at her because he doesn't, he wants to live in that misery for a minute. So I, I think it's just uh, cheating is worse. His dancing with a stripper thing, that's worse to me. Really? Than, than that, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like, yeah, dancing with some exotic dancer is, is pretty, pretty crappy on homer's part i just feel like the like even just the 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 telling of someone like i don't know if i love you or not like yeah he is like you know definitely just reveling in his misery at this point for sure i totally agree with that he's definitely over exaggerating because he does love her but man that is just like even the bar flies in the background are appalled the moment they <laughs> say he says that like the people that were cat calling marge are just like what the 
fuck. But man. I mean, I mean, you got to think about that too. So like, obviously, like that's their relationship. She knows him better than he knows himself. And she obviously loves him mm-hmm. to no end. Yeah. So like she knows, no, you know, we're not going to let this go. Yeah. You're going to tell me right now. So I just don't think she takes it as seriously or is that mm-hmm. hurt by it because she knows the circumstance. Yeah. So I, in that circumstance, I mean, it really just doesn't, that doesn't bother me that much. Interesting. Uh, so Homer looks at Marge, of course, and, you know, he takes a pit stop to drink you know, some beer as he's looking at her and uh, decides that he loves her more than ever. And he is OK with her. And, you know, like you said, he was just sort of like, you know, swimming around in his misery because he wanted to be crappy for a bit. And uh, uh, everyone, you know, gets happy and excited. And Mo decides for to celebrate that for 15 <laughs> minutes, one per customer. It's third off domestic pitchers, but there's no sharing. I. Uh, and I have, as the episode ends, I have one very big question for you. At this moment, there are two things to consider. We have a disappearance of Lionel Hutz, and we have a Simpson home that has the children not being watched. Is Lionel Hutz at the Simpsons house babysitting <laughs> Bart, Lisa, and Maggie? Because the state demands that there need to be a babysitter? From this point on... He'll be known as Miguel Sanchez. <laughs> Lionel Hutz, a.k.a. Miguel Sanchez, a.k.a. Dr. Nguyen Von Thok. Maybe, maybe that was the name he picked this time. <laughs> <laughs> As of today, Lionel Hutz no longer exists. Say hello to Dr. Nguyen Van Thok. Uh, so, this is the introduction of one of the greatest Simpsons characters ever. Perhaps the, the greatest. And also kind of a weird, dark, twisted kind of ending at the uh, you know, last few moments there. But uh, what do you guys... I mean, I, I think we all know what the lasting I impact is. I think it's is. obvious. Yeah, it's, it's Phil Hartman. <laughs> it's Phil Hartman, yeah. Phil Hartman joined on and started to become a regular. I'm going to say something different. What? I am going to say something different. This episode expanded the cast of Springfield itself. We got Decker and Nick Riviera. Doris Grau started doing voices. Lionel Hutt. So Phil Hartman's doing voices. The blue-haired lawyer shows up for the first time. Oh, Springfield yeah. really expands in this episode. Lionel Hutz is great, and I love him. He's my favorite character. But I think this episode expands the cast of Springfield a lot. We do have and we the, start seeing a lot more of this happening after this episode. Yeah, the blue-haired lawyer uh, it, it does become a regular character, uh, and I think we're forgetting the most important thing: Herman shows back up. Yeah, Herman shows back up. Judge Snyder again. There's another character. Uh, yeah, we we definitely see. A pretty wide cast. Uh, uh, Daniel, do you agree with uh, 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 Glitch where it's it's got to be the, the introduction of uh, Lionel Hutz? No contest. <laughs> no contest. I love Phil Hartman. I also think it's good to point out that uh, Mark Kirkland, uh, who has directed more episodes, this is his second episode. Oh, nice. This is uh, his second? Yep. I... Uh, so I uh, I tell you what uh, we we've you know been uh, uh, chanting about like the introduction of one of the greatest characters the amazing Phil Hartman's here uh, you know in this episode uh, but uh, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up uh, glitch uh, for our listeners who maybe don't know who you are what are you all about these days so I'm on the Legend of Retro podcast which is inside this Gamezilla Media Network and what amazingly handsome friend of yours does that show with you Chops is on that show I it's, said it's- amazingly handsome. Not regular handsome. Xander? No. (laughs) Definitely Chops. (laughs) No. He's got that salt and pepper hair. Come on. I just have, at this point, all I have is salt. (laughs) Uh, But yes, Craig is on that show with us. Um, He's on every episode. You can't get rid of him. (laughs) You really? 
certainly can't. Uh, Xander as well, as Sean mentioned. Um, we all talk about retro games. Uh, we do uh, uh, a Patreon episode once a month. So if you're a patron uh, and you are listening to Smartline, the the extra episode that Noiseline Arcade has, you can also find our um, uh, Patreon episode... <laughs> Uh, Game Shark. <laughs> Game Shark. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stumbling here. Uh, Game Shark. So you get that for $5. If uh, you still want to support the show, just not that much. We do have $1 perks. Mm-hmm. So The Legend of Retro has early access to our Retro Relapses, which is um, a segment we do where we talk about a game that we haven't played a lot, and we just kind of review, do a quick review. And then also we do a music bracket, and you get uh, an additional vote for that. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff on Patreon, uh, and you know, uh, if you're looking to support uh, uh, the GameZilla Media, and you know, you think like, ah, you know, Smartline's great, a bi-monthly uh, series of episodes, that's cool, but man, I wish there was a little bit more. If you're into the Legend of Retro, you're gonna have that. So make sure to uh, take a peek into that. And Danielle, what have uh, you got going on? Uh, so I have uh, my own baking company, uh, back in the day, bakery. Uh, I do wedding cakes, I do cupcakes, pies, you name it, I can make it. Um, I I like to share with the guys here, so a lot of them have tried my stuff and uh, can probably give good recommendations. Uh, it, it, everything I've had that you've made is is pretty amazing, and I'm, now I'm starting to think that maybe you did that just so that in this moment I could hype up your product. But, Danielle, <laughs> what is the website that they can go to if they live in the Metro Detroit area and are looking to uh, get a, uh, a Primo Baker? So you can actually find me on Facebook or Instagram, uh, B-I-T-D Bakery. And, uh, yeah, you can go on there and see pictures of things that I've done and uh, contact me that way. Awesome, awesome. So if you're in the, uh, the metro Detroit area, like we, of course, are, uh, make sure to uh, uh, hunt her down if you're looking for baked goods. Uh, I'm pretty sure at the end of this episode, Sean and I are going to start uh, uh, figuring out what we want for our wedding cake. And uh, we're going to go ahead and pause here. I just want the key. Craig, let me off this chain. Sean, we're going to be so happy together. (laughs) So happy together forever. Forever.